Welcome to another episode of Parminio. On this podcast, it's all about gatekeeping. What is it? How is it done? And why does it matter to the chief of staff to understand and know about this? Okay, before we get into the podcast, let's just kind of preview what we're going to discuss here. First, we're going to briefly define what gatekeeping is in the sense of an organization and the chief of staff's role. Uh, Second, we're going to give a little historical background on the role of gatekeeping and why, why does it fall under the chief of staff and what can we learn from that. Uh, Third and finally, we're going to discuss kind of where does gatekeeping flow from? Um, It flows from a couple of different things, but let's just talk about it and what its importance is. Um, So when it's done, it's done in an appropriate and effective manner. All right. Okay. So first of all, we can define uh, gatekeeping as it's really the controlling the flow of people and information to the decision maker. Decision maker can be president, the CEO, president of the United States, a governor, whoever is in the, in the seat uh, of ultimate responsibility within the organization that the chief of staff reports up to. Um, and so why is that important? We're going to get into that, but obviously you can see if there's a decision maker and he is or she is pressed for time, or if that decision maker has to have a balanced view of information and things to make a good decision, you want to have some elements of control of that person's time. Whether it's the CEO or the President of the United States, time ultimately is their most valuable commodity. So. We cannot afford to be in a position where the leader is squandering or wasting time with people and information that is of little or no relevance. And we want to be in a situation where that chief decision maker is not being unduly influenced by things that perhaps they shouldn't be and that they are being influenced by the things that they should be. And so that, in turn, brings us to why, perhaps, does gatekeeping then fall at the feet of the chief of staff, right? Um, Obviously, executive assistants can play a gatekeeping role, and many times they do. Um, They tend to control the calendar and the schedule of the uh, CEO or the president of the United States. And so they they play a gatekeeping role um, in many ways. Uh, However, the chief of staff, if the chief of staff is functioning in a role where they are um, driving uh, and pacing the the decision-making cycle of the organization, the operating rhythm, they are in a central and uh, very important role in terms of that cycle and that funnel. They are going to be the ones that are going to be looking out for and doing um, the best they can to drive that process in an orderly, disciplined manner. And we've talked about it before, working to drive that decision cycle in such a way where it's synchronized, integrated, and filtered. And uh, thus, there are some 
some of the main reasons why gatekeeping falls under the purview of the chief of staff. Okay, so uh, historically, uh, within the uh, White House, the chief of staff has played a, a gatekeeping role. And many times it's been done in very inappropriate ways, which creates um, discord and um, backbiting and leaking to the press because the chief of staff has done gatekeeping in a very um, uh, inappropriate way. They've gatekeep for the sake of gatekeeping to keep power, to keep power out, to keep people from influencing uh, the president of the United States, right? And so also uh, many times the person, uh, the president's personal style and personal whims will greatly affect how gatekeeping is done. And those are important to know. So we can give some examples. For example, Nixon, uh, he tended to be a recluse a little bit. He didn't necessarily want to meet with a lot of people and have to tell them no, because he didn't like to say that. And so he had his chief of staff, H.R. Haldeman, play a, uh, a gatekeeping role, which was basically to say no to people. All right. Um, and just say no and keeping people out. Now, H.R. Haldeman was known to be a real, real SOB by a lot of people, so he enjoyed the role. Um, but he played a very, um, uh, he played the role of gatekeeper in a very non-informative and in a way that wouldn't be expected by people. Okay, so that's important to know. Um, Nixon because he had certain personality traits, asked Haldeman to gatekeep in a way that made Haldeman ultimately to be the bad guy. Okay? I would argue that to that. And on the other hand, was a very egregious fellow and liked to have conversations with many people, especially people that worked on his campaign. And when he was in the White House, um, he wanted to meet with people and have, have conversations. And this allowed um, Clinton and his uh, friends to make end runs around the orderly process that the chief of staff had put in place. So one thing to learn and understand, and I think this is clear, is that if you as a chief of staff are trying to put processes and order in place or decision information flows to the CEO, and the CEO is not disciplined and allows people to make end runs around it, um, that is going to be a thing that without the CEO's permission, it's going to be very hard to fix. Obviously, if you are new as a chief of staff in an organization and the CEO has strong existing relationships with staff members and other people, um, trying to work those situations in terms of ensuring that those people um, have relevant information, have important information, should in fact be having time on the CEO's calendar, obviously is going to be a challenge for you. Uh, chief of staff needs to be empowered to do these things and staff and the CEO have to have a very strong common and shared understanding 
of what the role of gatekeeping is and how the CEO is the chief of staff playing that. So that's important to know. Okay. Interesting enough that once Leah was in charge of the White House as chief of staff to Clinton, he created a much more orderly and disciplined process. And you have to have an orderly and disciplined process in place uh, at the White House in order to keep things moving and have the agenda of the president done and completed. Orderly, disciplined, systematic, methodical. Those are all key words that come out of the uh, White House Transition Project, which is a project that has done a lot of work around the White House Chief of Staff's duties. That also uh, portends well in the corporate world. Um, it's the same thing. You need to have a disciplined, orderly process within how the operating cycle is moving, okay? James Baker, who was uh, Chief of Staff to two presidents, what does he say? He says, time is the most valuable commodity of the president. It's a Chief of Staff to prioritize and effectively manage and bring discipline to and be discriminating with the president's schedule. It also needs to be fair. Otherwise, if it's not fair and it's seen to be um, that the chief of staff is not an honest broker of all um, information that need to the president, that people will leak information. And once they leak information, that harms the integrity of the White House's process and brings distractions. So a couple of key points we can bring in from James Baker here is that this process needs to have order. It needs to be disciplined and it needs to be discriminating. Information and that don't need to be brought to the president's level should not be. Thus, there should be some gatekeeping. But at the same time, must be the appearance that uh, things are fair to people. That means things should be explained in appropriate levels, in appropriate ways. People don't feel that their opinions or their access to the president you know, is being done arbitrarily. If it's seen to be being done arbitrarily, obviously, it's going to create problems for you. Um, the White House Transition Project, which talks at great length about the work of the Chief of Staff, says, at the end of the day, the fundamental purpose of the Chief of Staff is to bring orderly processes to provide a basis for the best decisions possible. You can bring that same type of thinking to a Chief of Staff's job in the corporate world. At the end of the day, we want the CEO, the President, whoever, to have the best information available within an orderly process that's fair so that the best can be made for the organization. That's what we want. That's the goal. And so if we tie goal gatekeeping into that premise, um, you're going to have a much more greater ability to gatekeep effectively if you're just keeping people out because Nixon wants you to. Okay, different things, but let's keep that in mind. So when we get into uh, the, the third point here, where does gatekeeping flow from? We've kind of hinted at it already. There's kind of two aspects. One is the personal uh, taste and style of the CEO or of the president. 
We saw that in our examples with Nixon and, and Clinton. How disciplined is the CEO? If they're not disciplined and they're allowing people into their office um, for purposes that are not advancing the uh, decision-making process and the operating cycle, then that's a question. Yes, we want to have times when you know the CEO is having relaxed moments and fun and personal conversations, those things. But obviously there needs to be balance and there needs to be discipline, okay? How open or closed is the seat? Nixon was a recluse, Clinton was much more uh, gregarious and open. What's their styles? One of the things you hear about uh, from experienced chiefs is that the chief of staff should complement, um, in many ways, the leader's style. Meaning that if uh, Nixon is a recluse or uh, Clinton is, is very open, um, the chief of staff should try to, to balance those things so there's a more balanced behavior, right? Because at the end of the day, we can't um, people just dropping in whenever they want and having conversations with the CEO or nothing will get done. And we can't have the CEO just being a recluse either. Um, needless to say that um, the greater level of trust there is between the CEO and the chief of staff will allow for a greater level of balancing to take place. And so having the trust of the CEO and their faith and having them to empower the chief of staff to gatekeeping as it should be done, which we're gonna talk about, is very important. If you're just starting the role of gatekeeper with a new CEO today, um, you know, to build up the confidence and the trust levels in the relationship. It needs to be reciprocal. And over time, as you great, as you learn to be a highly effective, effective proxy, um, your ability to gatekeep effectively will become much better, okay? Um, the last point on the CEO or the president's style is, what are they asking you specifically do and to do gatekeeping? Um, that should be a conversation that you have. If they want specific things done, um, have a conversation about that and let's try to work things that are appropriate, okay? The big piece where um, gatekeeping naturally flows from, which is uh, more important in many regards, not that the CEO's opinion obviously is very important what their personal style is, it's very important, but in terms of the overall mission of the chief of staff, keep the organization paced and moving, all right? That gets down to operating rhythm, the operating rhythm and pacing it and keeping the decision cycle of the organization moving forward, which is central and core to what the chief of staff does in any organization. Interesting enough, commented on that when um, uh, Don Rumsfeld, the chief of staff to uh, Ford, he came in and he put a very disciplined, fast moving paced operating rhythm in place, um, which was uh, much more highly effective than what other people had seen before, okay? Pacing it, discipline, moving it forward, gatekeeping as needed. Um, so when we look at the operating rhythm, we've talked about this before, and we see it's a, a system of inputs and outputs. Inputs are information, people, uh, flows of things, events, Outputs are 
decisions, actions, assessing those actions, right? As part of that process, the chief of staff works as proxy. And if the chief of staff has a strong shared understanding of the CEO's decision style, then the proxy can play an effective role in making certain decisions in place CEO. Um, and that's one thing we hear that Leon Panetta as chief of staff did. One of the things that he said as chief of staff to Clinton to make the, the White House run really effectively was that um, he said specific decisions that were lower level. I would make them. We didn't bring those to Clinton. There were other decisions that I would make and brief Clinton on because I knew he would want to know about them. And then there was a third set of decisions that um, these are the ones that need to be escalated to Clinton. So that was kind of his basic map that he would use. And that's kind of a good outline. Um, but as we're working through the operating rhythm and the, the decision cycle of the organization, we've bought this notion that we want to syn synchronize, integrate, and filter information, people, processes in order to keep the decision-making cycle moving. This filtering part is where we lead it into some gatekeeping mechanisms. So for example, as you're working and driving the information um, and decision cycle, um, you want to be thinking about these things. Do we have the necessary information that's needed to make a decision here? Some people want to meet with the CEO. Do they have all the necessary information that you know the CEO would want to make? If it's missing or lacking, how long will it take to get it? How important is it? How important is it that we make a decision today? And if the decision can wait and we can get what's necessary in terms of what you know the CEO would want to see, let's wait. So that's a form of, of gatekeeping. It's just done in a way that explains to people so we can understand how we want to prioritize and how we want to blend in what's important to the CEO in terms of their decision-making style. That's informing people. It's not being a jerk, right? Um, next, we want to um, look at what we're presenting. Is it organized in an appropriate manner? Does it make it easy to read? Or is the CEO gonna struggle with it and be frustrated seeing? If we can re rearrange things and move things, let's do it. Does it mean, again, we're being arbitrary? We're having conversations with people so they understand what's important, what's prioritized, what has to happen today versus tomorrow, because we're managing those time frames, right? If there are certain things that can be pushed to the edges, that can be pushed down or out, or can be made by the chief of staff, then let's do that. Again, not about being capricious or egregious. It's about managing the decision cycle in the optimal way um, that can be managed so that we can keep things moving. If things are of lower importance and don't need to see the CEO's desk today, let's out. If, unless he needs to see it now, let's move it. What's the importance of the decision? And uh, finally, balanced. That came out of the White House Transition Project and James Baker. We have to make sure that all relevant stakeholders are heard on decisions. That's also important. If um, the CEO is making decisions, one of the roles of the chief of staff, make sure all are engaged. Let's make sure all stakeholders have had a chance to participate as needed um, to keep 
everyone on board moving in the same direction and understand that they've been heard before the decision has been made. So in reality, at the end of the day, the operating rhythm and the decision-making cycle, the chief of staff's ability to work as a proxy, let's just say I have a really, really strong understanding of the CEO's decision-making style. I know how they arrive at decisions. I know what the inputs are. I know how they think about the implications. That gives me a much greater ability to synchronize, integrate, and filter to make lower level decisions as needed, like Panetta, to make decisions and then perhaps brief the CEO as needed, like Panetta, to escalate when needed. And then to filter um, information and flows and people as appropriate, again, to keep the operating rhythm and cadence of the organization moving and cycling forward. That at the end of the day is the important piece of gatekeeping. All right. So in summary, um, what we've talked about here is we've defined what gatekeeping is. We gave examples from uh, the White House and how the, the chief of staff has functioned in the White House in a gate role. And we gave some examples of gatekeeping styles that are not effective, like with Nixon and Haldeman. And we've talked about gatekeeping styles that were effective, like James Baker, and how the White House Transition Project talks about uh, gatekeeping. Third, and finally, we talked, where, where does gatekeeping flow from? It flows from two things, mainly, and the president or the CEO's individual style and wishes and how they want to behave. And some of those may be shortcomings where a trusted chief of staff works to complement and provide balance. And the other piece is that gatekeeping or filtering, as we can call it, is a natural outcome of the chief of staff's central role in driving the operating rhythm and cycle of the organization forward. It's done in the right way, it's respected, and people will look at the chief of staff in a respectable way so that they don't see that what they're trying to do is simply be uh, egregious in any way or shutting people out. They're fair, they're balanced, but they're ultimately working with the objective to keep uh, the decision-making process um, as uh, operating in as effective and balanced way as possible. All right. So one thank you for listening to this episode of Parmenio. If you are interested coming on uh, to be interviewed, we'll be interviewing chiefs of staff. Um, please um, send me an email, Glenn, G-L-E-N-N, at parmenio.co and love to have you on or um, we'll see you soon. Thank you once again for listening to another episode of Parmenio.